Thank you, Father. that song was birthed out of the Brownsville Revival in Pensacola, Florida back in the 90s. And um, man, it's such a simple, such a worship, such a praise. So awesome. So awesome. I was uh, just basking in that music bit going. I just felt this word come up on the inside of me. And it's a word that is found all through Psalms, but it's not written into the Psalms. It is a action or a, an example in the Psalm. David would write and then he would say, Selah. Selah. Y'all ever seen that? Selah. And all that means in the simplest form is pause, just pause. I think in the world that we live in is so rapid, everything is so quick, so fast. Um, you know, when you watch a TV show or you watch a, um, even, even somebody preaching on uh, like YouTube or something like that, and when you're watching somebody, the camera only stays or a scene only stays there for about four or six seconds and then it switches and the reason that they want to do that is because they want to keep you engaged that our minds are so um, accustomed to fast I mean we, we live in fast times fast times Fast times. Things are moving fast. I can't believe it's already August. I mean, we just turned 2021, and now here we are in August. These things are fast. But we need to learn how to pause. Of all the big words out there, political, um, pandemic, I know another P word. It says pause. We need to take time to pause because that's where Jesus is. He's in the pause. The Holy Spirit is in the pause. He's not going to be running rapid through your yourself. He's going to he's going to he's going to respond to the pause. Selah. Selah. Amen. Guys, you got to you got to intentionally take the time to pause. And when you pause, Watch what God does in your life. When you pause, watch what Holy Spirit does. Amen? Does that speak to anybody today? Pause. Say it. Pause. I'm going to pause. Amen. Good stuff. Good stuff. Father, thank you so much for this day. Thank you for where you're going and thank you for where you're taking us. All we care about, Jesus, is where you're going and what you're doing. And anything other than that, we're just going to pause and wait on you. 
wait on you. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Come, Holy Spirit. Rest on us. Pause on us. and tell somebody, give them a fist bump and say, pause. Well, how's everybody doing this morning? It's good to see you. It's, it's um... For the first time in 20 years, almost 20 years, I have not had to go back to school shopping <laughs> or, the, or the stepping into the hell of school supplies aisles at Target or Walmart or wherever. It feels good. And those of you with littles that still have that stuff going on, I pray for you, but I've got freedom. We, we, this, this family's got freedom from all of that, so it's, it's a good thing. It's a good thing. Well, it's good to see you guys this morning. My name is Darren Gleghorn. I'm the lead pastor here at Cowboy Church. If I've never got to meet you before, I look forward to that, and uh, hopefully I'll get to meet you soon. But I um, want to welcome you to Northern Colorado Cowboy Church. It is an honor to have you in the house this morning. It's an honor to have Holy Spirit in the house this morning because that's what matters. But um, anyways, I, I just really appreciate you guys for, for coming out this morning and, and um, being a part of our service here. Um, with that, I get the honor of, once again, the honor of introducing you to our speaker. Most of you know him if you've been coming here for a while. You've known him, you've probably seen him, but I know you've heard him on the drums. And um, what, I'll tell you what, um, C.W. is a spiritual son to Lynette and I. He's like one of the firstborn uh, spiritual sons. And um, it's such an honor to see him um, blossom and bloom into what um, God is doing in his life and and uh, man, what, he's, what God is doing in his family. I, it seems like I'm surrounded with people who are just good at everything. My wife is a natural athlete. She's a natural, uh, just good at everything. And my son is, my daughter is, and even my spiritual son. The stuff I have to try at, they just do it. It's like there's nothing to it. So for that, I am, I am a proud papa. Um, to to uh, get to surround myself with people like this, but C Dub's good at everything he does. I, you know, you're, you're good at everything you do. I mean, he's playing these drums. He just he's just learned. He just picked that up in the last couple of years, and look what he's done. Look what the Lord has done. Right? Amen. So, would you all welcome my spiritual son, C Dub Wagner? Thank you, guys. Thanks. Thank you. You guys got me? Yep. Okay. Now, I appreciate it, Pastor. Um, 
it's funny I'm talking about the drums because I was just telling Kirsty a couple days ago. I was like, I was the guy they made fun of because we couldn't keep beat. And I know I mess up, so don't don't say, yeah, you still can't keep beat. But but anyways, it's a God thing for sure, you know what I mean? So um, it's an honor to uh, be able to speak in front of you guys. Um, I was thinking about this a couple weeks ago. Like, you see the lineup of, of ministers. Like, um, I've said it a couple times. We get guest ministers in here sometimes, and we pack the house. And it's like, y'all don't know our 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 pastors here you know what i mean like like they're they're solid i know that they put in diligence of of uh, uh searching out the word and and a lot of prayer of how to guide this church and and guide you guys and help feed you guys and so it's an honor and it's humbling to be able to stand up here uh behind you guys um for those of you who don't know my wife kirsty she's she was a worship leader she's the better half of me um so Anyways, um, can you guys uh, turn with me to Exodus 16? I want to I want to say this. This isn't even part of my message. I didn't know. I was fighting it. I went to the restroom. I don't know if it's old man peas or nervous peas, but before I get up here, I got to pee. So that's why Pastor has to come up in between Jerome and and me speaking. So I don't know. We'll call it nervous peas because I don't want to say I'm getting old. But anyways, when I went back there. Um, I really, like, like there's just a, such a sweet spot in worship this morning, right? Amen. Like, you could just feel the presence of God. And I got to thinking about that, and I was like, like, certain songs, like, when you exalt Jesus, and when you ex- exalt Him, when you worship Him, that's what ushers in. And Kirsty and I had learned a couple years ago about um, songs like there's worship songs, there's declaration songs, there's Christian songs. And depending on what you sing and everything, as far as like a worship set, there's certain recommendations that you don't stay too long on declaration songs. Why? Because it's a worship time, right? And so I got to think about that when I went to the restroom. I was like, do you know that? Because you guys can have these moments in your cars. You guys can have these moments at work. You guys can have the moments at home when you're by yourself or with your family. Like, it just don't have to be here. It's just the song. You start exalting the name of Jesus. You start worshiping Him, and the presence will come, I promise. So anyways, going out, that was off my message, like I said. So Exodus 16, 1 through 3. Um, little backstory for those of you who might know, this is... This is when the Israelites, when God led the Israelites out of, out of Egypt, right? Uh, and I want to point this out because Passover was the establishment of Passover. The initiation of the Passover started um, at the 10th plague, right? So the 10 plagues that God brought onto Egypt to set uh, the Israelites free because they were enslaved. So the 10th plague was the angel of death. And God instructed them to put the uh, blood of the lamb over their doorposts, and the angel of death would go over them, right? In hindsight, the blood of Jesus, the lamb of God, okay? I'm not going into that. That's not what I'm ministering on, but I just want to cover that. But that day that it was, um, oh, man, I messed it. Pastor, you know off the top of your head, I should have done this. 14th day of the first month. Does that sound right? Um, so God said, this is, this is 
on his calendar, on the Jewish calendar, it's going to be, um, that's the month to start the year on, right? So on the 14th day. So why I wanted to point that out is, is because when we go here in 16, it's not, it's not very long after that, right? So in between this time, they've watched miracles of God. They've watched the angel of death cross over them from the blood. They've watched, they've done the Red Sea crossing where God lifted up. When pastor was ministering the other day, he said it was a 50 foot wall of water. He just peels this water up so the Israelites can walk through. Like they've seen miracles, right? They've been set free. They've come out of captivity. They've been set free. They've seen miracles. And now we're here in uh, chapter 16, verse one. And they journeyed from Elim and all the congregation of the children of Israel came to the wilderness of sin which is between Elim and Sinai, on the 15th day of the second month. One month. One month it starts. After they departed from the land of Egypt, then the whole congregation of the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And the children of Israel said to them, Oh, that we had died from the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt when we sat by the post of the meat and when we ate bread to the full for you have brought us out into the wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger so it took one month and it probably was even less than that because i'm just saying like that was passover one month and in between that time we had the red sea crossing so probably less than a month and they're already complaining thinking that they're out here in the wilderness going to die See, the reason why I bring this up is because where I found myself just this year, if you heard me minister, like you've heard some of our testimony, um, maybe all of it, if you've heard me speak all, like every time, like I've talked about the testimony. I've even said sometimes I get tired, like not tired, but I feel like I shouldn't be talking about the testimony because it's, it's redundant. Everybody's already heard it. And I'm like, wait, that's the testimony that God has provided, right? So I'm not going to go into it all. If you want to hear the full testimony, come and get with me and Kirsty. But we've seen miracles, you know. Titus, our youngest son, like they were saying, like at 23 weeks, they was hoping that he made it, made it to 32 weeks. Then at 30, 29 weeks, they were saying he had eight or 80 percent uh, chance that he had achondroplasia, which is like uh, little people syndrome. And um, and then at 32 weeks, they were 99 percent sure that he had a skeletal disorder. Um, 80% sure, still is achondroplasia. And we've seen miracles because he was born completely healthy. Not only that, but he didn't even breathe for the first three minutes of his life. And why I know at three minutes is because every 30 seconds they were saying, we're at 30 seconds now. We're at one minute now. We're at a minute 30 now. And at three minutes, I started praying in a tongue and at three seconds, I was, because it, I was like, whoa, that was like three seconds at three minutes. He took his first breath. We've seen miracles. We've seen miracles within people that we had the honor to pray with. Not that it was us. I mean, there's a big group of people. So who did God move through? I don't know. I'm not claiming it. I don't like to. I love, we, we had somebody get healed and worship from cancer. Nobody laid hands on him. And I'm like, I love that because nobody could ever take credit for it but God. So by no means when I say that me and Kirsty's prayed with people that we're taking credit for it because it's all God, okay? But we have just witnessed it. I've said it a time and time again, like we just get to sit and witness God, like encounter people time and time again. Amen. And I'm like, this is amazing. 
It's like you walk into walk into 7-Eleven and it's like, God, where do you want to go? And he, and he wants to go. He's anxious to go. He's anxious to touch people. He's anxious to encounter people. We've seen it. But see, this winter where I found myself, I got COVID in, in uh, December. I was busy studying. Um, I'll even say this, like, I even picked up some fear when... Uh, I didn't ask if I can even say it, but everybody knows. So Nick, when Nick was diagnosed with cancer, I'm going to be 42 here in a month. My dad died at 42 years old of cancer. So then after COVID, like I was having pains. I was having pains up in my armpits, my lymph nodes and everything. I started living in fear. Kirsty starts talking to me about wanting to have another baby. <laughs> and I'm like, seriously, this is, this, is, this is real. Like what's going on in my head? I'm like... We can't have another baby because I don't know if I'll be here in a year. I started living in fear. I started thinking about who was going to help Kirsty take care of my kids. I go, uh, yeah, it's definitely a lie. So I go and I get checked. I called Josh. I said, Josh uh, Schmidt, I said, hey, I said, I need prayer. I'm fixing to walk in this thing. I'm getting CAT scans done. And he's like, I know your voice ain't right. What's going on? Because I hadn't even talked to him about it. I said, I just need prayer, man. Living in fear. But I'd have gotten busy. I was studying for an exam for work, another certification. Which you got to do, right? But you got to take time, right? Then with Kirsty wanting another baby, I was like, I don't know if I do. I don't know if I want to go down those tracks. And just so you guys know, she's pregnant. So you guys don't even know how many awkward questions I just, I just ended right there. Everybody's been looking at her for the last week, two weeks, been saying, you've been getting fat or what? Like, no, she's pregnant. You know what I'm saying? Everybody's scared to ask that question, that awkwardness. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Just pause and wait. <laughs> just pause and wait till somebody says it, you know? But anyways, yeah, she's pregnant. But I had to go to the place of saying, God, if, it, if it's what you want, then let it be. Because I couldn't fathom the faith at that moment because I'd separate myself out of the moment that I needed to be at with him in me. See, in the beginning of June, God started talking to me about the living in the resurrected life and living in the pre-death life. So which one are you living at? Because you see, Jesus, when, hold up, when Adam and Eve, when they sinned, the authority was given over to Satan, right? But you see, when Jesus died on the cross, all authority was given unto him. Right? It says it in Matthew 28, it says, all authority has been given unto me. Then he sends out the disciples to go and make disciples of all nations, right? So everything that Jesus done was enough. Amen. It was our full redemption. But where are we, where are we living now? See, uh, like what he started speaking to me about, and I even texted Nick because when it starts happening and somebody texts me just at the right moment, Nick happened to be the one that texted me at the right moment. What, what he was saying was, is you started living in the pre-death mode again. 
You started living and in, in, in giving. See, fear is the faith of what the devil says about you. Fear is what Satan wants. He wants you to believe more in his works than in God's works. He wants to be, that's why he's cast out of heaven. He, want, he was trying to exalt himself higher than God. He wants that. And what I started doing was exalting him by my thoughts, by my fear, by my faith fear, quote unquote, right? In his works over God's works. I had already seen the miracles. See, God has no equal. We have to stay in that place of knowing. I mean, we can say, oh yeah, I know that. But do you? Do we know that there's no equal? Do we know that he's, there's no second to him? Turn with me to Haggai 1. Haggai is about in the middle of the Bible. It is after Zephaniah, before Zechariah. So Haggai 1, 2 through 8. See a little backstory here. The Israelites are supposed to be building, rebuilding the temple. They were exiled. Now they brought back. They're supposed to be rebuilding the temple. It says here in verse 2, I'm going to start. Thus speaks the Lord of hosts, saying, This people says, The time has not come, the time that the Lord's house should be built, that the word of the Lord came by Haggai the prophet, saying, Is it time for you yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses? and this temple to lie in ruins. Now, therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. You have sown much and bring in little. You eat, but do not have enough. You drink, but you, but you are not filled with drink. You clothe yourselves, but no one is warm. And he who earns wages, earns wages to put into a bag with holes. Thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Go up to the mountain and bring wood and build the temple that I may take pleasure in it and be glorified, says the Lord. You see, what I didn't say earlier, if you, didn't have, if you hadn't, which I've got to say this now, back in 2018, we lost the baby. So in that time, I had been creating that time. I'd been building that temple. Because what is the temple now? The Old Testament was a building, right? The temple now is us. We had been building, we had been preparing that moment. We'd been preparing that time for the presence of God to dwell in the temple. But you see, when I started getting busy, just like the Israelites here in Haggai, they started worrying and going about building their own houses, building the paneled houses. They were worried about building their fancy house. When I started getting busy doing my life, I wasn't preparing that moment. I wasn't building that temple, right? I wasn't preparing the place for the sanctuary inside me for the Holy Spirit to come and dwell, for the Holy Spirit to start speaking to me about these false lies, as Travis was saying, that the enemy was speaking to me. So I think about that and I'm like, if I'm that way, who else is? I don't want you guys to raise raise your hands, but what does your week look like? We just, had a, we just had a moment here. 
during worship. One could say, man, that was the glory of the Lord, right? So we're supposed to live from glory to glory. We're being transformed to glory to glory. So what's your two look like? Pastor Darren a couple months ago talked about the two being the valley. So what is your middle of, what's the middle of your week look like? Do we stand up here and we sing these songs about how great he is? And then Monday morning we get busy about building our paneled houses. See, I found that in my two, I had this paved road. It was so simple to go down it. It was so easy to start diving back to it. And it led me right back to my vomit. See, in Proverbs, it talk, it's in Proverbs 26, 11 says, As a dog re- returns to his own vomit, so a fool repeats the folly. See, I've I've, I've returned back to my way of thinking. I returned back to my fears before I was living in the covenant with the Lord. I returned back to the ways of of one to to figure out how I was going to fix something without Him there. I was living in fear. See, and the other thing He showed me here, go to uh, Haggai 2. Verse 1 through 3. In the seventh month, on the 21st of the month, the word of the Lord came by Haggai, the prophet, saying, Speak now to Zerubbabel. I hope that's right. I should have asked Pastor how to say that one too before. He, I always run stuff by him. I'm like, how do you say this? The son of, the son of Shealtiel. There's another one I should have. <laughs> governor, governor of Judah to Joshua, the son of uh, Jehozadak the high priest and the remnant of the people saying, who is left among you who saw this temple in its former glory? And how do you see it now? In comparison with it, is it not in your eyes as nothing? See, there's a discouragement that can happen because it, like with Kirsty wanting to be pregnant, I'm like, could it still be? Because with Titus, man, we walked in peace. I mean, we were getting told stuff. We had to go to the doctor twice a week ultrasounds once a week and we're getting told stuff almost every week every at least every other week right and uh measurements was once every three weeks and we walked in complete peace and so i'm like all right god if 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 we get pregnant again can we walk in that same peace because i started thinking about what had happened before this is our sixth baby we've lost two So I start thinking, I'm like, could it, could it be that much peace? Could I walk? Could we walk into pregnancy with so much peace again? So I ask you, what's your discouragement? What are the things that you start thinking about that starts taking away from the word of God? See, when, before we'd get on the elevator at those doctor's offices, when they'd tell us something, we'd drop that stuff there and we'd say, They have to tell us the facts of what science says, but we're going to stand on the truth because the truth overrides what the facts say. I was talking to somebody this morning about about somebody that was in the hospital. He got out yesterday, and he tells me what the doctor said. I said, well, that's what the practicing physicians say. 
Because the great physician has the final say. And I really feel like right now in my spirit that there's some of you guys saying, that's not what I seen. That's not what I seen when my dad had cancer. That's not what I seen when my mom had this. I've been there. My dad died of cancer. But just in the last couple of months, there's been somebody healed of cancer during worship. There was a tumor in a neck that somebody, that the doctor's like, I don't know exactly, but it looks appear, everything is appearing to be stage four cancer in, in your thyroid. They go in the next week and it's gone. The tumor's gone. There is no tumor there. We're starting to see the truth. Well, why did it happen that way in the past? I don't know. All I know is that God is good. And that God is truth. That his word is living and true. That he's still a God of miracles today. He's the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. His word's not going to change. And if Jesus says that when you look at me, you see the Father. How many times did you see Jesus casting cancer on somebody? That's not God. See, the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. So which are you going to believe? The discouragement that happened in your past, are you going to believe that? Is that what you're going to have as your word of God now? Lowercase g. Are you going to exalt that over God? See, the big thing that I was like, all right, God, like, I did this, like, you know, because like I said, he's getting after me. He chastens those who he loves, right? So praise God, he loves me. Because he was getting all over me. I was driving down the road with a slap in the back of the head. I'm like, ouch. Turn with me to Romans 6. So there's one thing that he pointed out to me very definitively about this resurrected life. Romans 6, 1 says, What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? Or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so, we also should walk in the newness of his life. For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we, we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. For he who has died has been freed from sin. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more. Death no longer has dominion over him. So he says, you must die. See, so many times people think that exact thing, but they think the wrong death. They think that death is their savior because once they die, they get out of this world. And then they're into heaven. 
See, eternal life starts now. Jesus said, pray that thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. We are intended to be living here, bringing heaven down on earth. We are intended to be having the spirit of God dwelling on the inside of us, bringing heaven to this earth. I want to say it because this might be a sensitive topic. You might know who I'm talking about. I'm not naming names. But there's a man. I reached out to him. I rode bulls with him. He, he, uh, he was in rehab when I started reaching out to him. He made a post about rehab. And I, I started reaching out and said, hey, man, like, what can I do for you? I'm praying for you, da-da-da-da-da. He said, I might need a job when I get out of here. I said, okay. So I started looking for a job for him, still kind of reaching out. Well, he gets out, and there's a couple weeks where we don't talk. And then I start seeing stuff. I start seeing stuff on Facebook about how, like, he had passed. I'm like, how is this happening? One comment, it looks like, looks like there could have been some maybe suicide. I don't know. But there's all these topics saying, or all these comments saying, no more devils, man. No more devils. You don't got to deal with no more devils. Guess what? The ones who believe in Jesus shall be casting out demons in his name. Heaven on earth. It, it broke me when I started reading that. I was like, man, I should have dug harder. Man, I should have reached out more. Because I have the one that sets the captives free. Amen. See, one must die. Not that death. One must die to ourselves. See, we get wrapped up in, in everything that we want. We start building our lives the way that we want them. I studied this out and I couldn't find it, but I heard. So if it's wrong and you know this, and you know this for a fact, show me. And come and correct me. Okay, I'm open for correction. I'm humble enough to say. But I heard that in the early immigration days, the immigrants would first build the church in the middle of the, of the town. And then they'd start building their houses out around that. But see, in our lives now, we start building our lives and put Jesus where it's convenient. We start putting the church in our, in our heart where it's convenient, where it fits in with the things that we're wanting to do. So we must die to those things. Luke 9, 23. Then he said to them all, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what profit it is to a man if he gains the whole world and is himself destroyed or lost. For whoever is ashamed of me and my words and him the son of man will be ashamed the son of man will be ashamed when he comes in his own glory and in his fathers and the holy and of the holy angels. But I tell you the truth there are some standing here who shall not taste death till they see the kingdom of God. See, they say repent and be baptized, right? So the thing, the way to, to do this, to live in that resurrected life, is to deny and die, die to yourself daily, right? They say repent and be baptized. Turn away from your ways, repent, right? And be baptized. Do you really think that they meant go wash your body? Do you think they were so concerned about your stink that they wanted you to wash yourself before you, before you can walk with the Lord? He wasn't worried about that. 
See, baptism is so much more. Baptism is a symbol of you dying, being united with Jesus in his death, and then he raises you up. You're walking in the resurrected life after baptism, but it takes a daily dying to. Man, I'm losing my spot. See, in Romans 12, 1, you ain't got to go there. I'm just going to read it real quick. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So he says, be that living sacrifice. Even in renewing our mind, we need to be a sacrifice saying, God, you have my life. I, I die to myself. And see, so many people are so worried about that. They're so worried to give up their life. I'm telling you right now, he has something better. You got a good life? He has something great. Man, this girl that I'm dating, she is fly. Guess what? If that's not the one, he has something better. He has the better for you. He wants the better for you. He's saying, die to yourself so I can live in you. See, we need to be living. You've heard, you've heard the scripture that talks about that Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. So you hear Christians saying the same thing. Why do we want him behind us? He's going to stab us in the back. Serious. Jesus has died. Now, Satan's under his feet. We should be living in the place that's saying, get beneath my king's feet. You're messing with one of his sons. You're messing with one of his daughters. Get beneath my king's feet. He already has all the authority. Don't tell him, get behind me. Gives him authority. Jesus did that, but the cross hadn't happened yet. He's beneath his feet. Well, why is he still being able to roam about? He was in the garden before sin. Do you not think that maybe God intended for us to to, uh, have dominion over the earth with him still trying to exalt himself? One last scripture we're going to go to. Haggai 2, 6 through 9. When I was reading this, when I was going through Haggai, I was just like, I was talking to somebody and they mentioned something about Haggai. And I was like, man, I need to go read that. They said it's only two chapters. I read slow. So I was like, that's going to take me about a month to read. But I got it read. You know what I mean? But I was like, hey, like, this is like exactly, it was like God speaking to me through somebody saying, hey, like, go, go read Haggai. Because here in uh, chapter 2, verse 6, he says, For thus says the Lord of hosts, Once more, it is a little while, I will shake heaven and earth, the sea and dry land, and I will shake all nations, and they shall come to the desire of all nations. I will fill this temple with glory, says the Lord of hosts. The silver is mine, and the gold is mine, says the Lord of hosts. The glory of the latter temple shall be greater than the former, says the Lord of hosts. And in this place, I will give peace, says the Lord of hosts. 
How many need you, how many need your world shaking around you? But needs that glory. He says the glory of the ladder is going to be greater. Where's the ladder? <laughs> right here, guys. Raise your hand because it's right here. He says the glory is going to be greater. He says prepare your temple and he will fill it. His glory will be there. Ending a little early. I didn't know where I needed to be because we got a video coming up too. So, um, so anyways, one thing I want to ask with every eye open right now, like I want, um, I want to give the anybody that has not accepted Jesus, like this is a time, like all of us that don't raise your hand either should. So if they're not raising their hand, and you can elbow them. And if they say, I don't want to, or if they say, I already do, I already did, then you'll know that they already did. But I will say like 95% of us already have. We've already accepted him as our Lord and Savior. See, see, so many times, like, a lot of people don't even know if they're saved. A lot of churches might not even have told them how. They just are like walking and, and they're like, yeah, I believe. Well, the demons believe too. Okay. When the demons seen that Jesus showed up, like, like they run, right? That's what I like about it. I thought about this too, like about him being under Jesus' feet now. Jesus just gets to make mud pies out of demons now in our lives. You know what I mean? Just. But see that if you've never made that step and said, Jesus, come into my life and be the, be the Lord of my life. See, it just doesn't say, come and be my buddy. That little my buddy doll that we used to have. You know what I'm saying? It says, come and be the Lord of my life. If you've never done that and you want to do that today, please raise your hand. I know every eye is open, but I don't want you to go home, go home and then go out tomorrow and be ashamed of what you just did today. So if you can't do it here, you ain't going to be able to do it out there. Like I said, we've all done it. This isn't a shame factor or nothing like that. So if, if you've never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior and you want to today, please raise your hand up. Okay, everybody's saved. I'm going to take it that way. So second thing, if you have been like me, like I found myself earlier this year, getting busy, walking in discouragement that allowed fear to come in and you want to repent and recommit your life to Him today, please stand up. See, and this ain't a shame factor. Like I said, it doesn't matter. Like, I, that's one thing. Like, if you had not ever heard me before, I wear it all out on the sleeve. I'm going to tell on myself, Okay. So this isn't a shame factor. This isn't a thing of, well, man, you like, you need to get right. You need to stay right, blah, blah, blah. No. Man, it happens. We, we take that little road, that paved road that goes off, off in between our two. We have to get caught back up to that glory again. All right? So, Father, we just come to you in the name of Jesus, Father. Father, I just lift up these people, Father God, that they are recommitting to you. Father, I pray, Lord, that you're glory that your presence encamps in their temples father god father that you just rain down on them father that i i pray lord that there's a clarity of your voice bringing conviction 
before the busyness starts, before the discouragement starts, Father God. I thank you for your love for them, that you just that your mercies are new every day, that we can just come back to you and say, Lord, I'm sorry, I messed up today. I thank you for it, Father. I pray, Lord, in the name of Jesus, Father God, that you would just wreck them in their lives, Father God. When I was preparing this message, I, I seen a vision of, of a little girl. <clears throat> an orphan little girl. And I don't know if this was anything too, but I seen construction trucks. Okay? So if this is relating to you, and you feel like you're that little girl that's orphaned, and there's construction involved. Maybe that. Maybe there's demo, uh, Maybe there's demolition happening in your life that caused you to feel like you're orphaned. And I'm not saying that you had to be orphaned. I'm saying that you feel orphaned. That you don't feel like you know the Father. He says you are mine. You are my little little girl. So if that is you, we're going to have a prayer team up here after service. Either once you go to them or you can come get up with me and Kirsty, and we'll pray with you. I want to pray with you. I had the orphan spirit a couple years ago. I got, I let, God led me out of it. He delivered me from it, set me free. I don't have to walk in captivity of an orphan spirit. I know, I know my father. Who can reject you when the main one accepts you? It don't matter what everybody else thinks of you. So, thank you guys.